Bibles, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 4, okay, Matthew chapter 4. How you guys doing tonight? Some of you guys are a little, maybe a little sleepy, some of you guys are maybe a little bit too awake, I don't know, we'll see, some of you guys are in the the middle, but uh, tonight we are continuing from what we talked about last last Wednesday, and kind of looking at the story of the ministry of Jesus. So last Wednesday, we looked at the baptism of Jesus. Tonight, we're looking about what ha- looking at what happened after that. And so tonight, we're going to be looking at the temptations that Jesus faced when he was in the wilderness. How do we deal with temptations? We are tempted all the time, right? We're tempted at school. We're tempted at home. We're tempted on our phones all the time. We can be tempted by stuff Maybe our friends or people around us are doing. So we face temptations every day of our lives, right? And even if we've been doing well spiritually, sometimes we just wake up and we just feel super tempted that day. Maybe more than other days, right? More tempted to sin. So how do we face temptation? We're going to look at the model that Jesus gave us about how to face temptation, right? So Matthew chapter 4, starting out in verse 1. It says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For forty days and forty nights he fasted and became very hungry. Temptations will come to you in times of strength when everything's great, but it will also come to you in times of weakness as well. So last week we looked at the baptism of Jesus and we see this amazing moment. Jesus is baptized, his ministry is affirmed. The Father says, this is my beloved Son. The Holy Spirit's coming down from heaven. Heaven opens. And there's this amazing scene of Jesus getting baptized. And then the next verse after that is right here, Matthew chapter 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. So Jesus goes from this awesome baptism scene to the wilderness, the middle of nowhere, to be tempted by the devil, to be tested. Now, when I was reading this, I thought, like, this was a little weird to me because it says that the Spirit was the one that led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And later on in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus shows us this thing that we call the Lord's Prayer. It says, pray like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven those that are indebted to us. Let's see if I have this thing memorized. I've made it this far. Uh, lead us not, yeah, that's the end. Lead us, that's where I was going to actually. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So Jesus says, Pray like this, God. Pray, lead me not into temptation. So we're supposed to ask God to lead us not into temptation. Here it says, The Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted. And I'm reading this, and I'm like, What's going on here, God? Here you tell us, lead me not into temptation. That's how we're supposed to pray. But here we say that God is leading Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted, to be tested. Now, there will be times in our life where sometimes God allows us to go to places, leads us to places where we'll be tempted with our faith, and our faith is tested. Jesus is teaching us to pray to lead me not into temptation, deliver me from evil. I shouldn't be seeking out temptations in my life, right? I shouldn't be seeking out Temptation, like that's like praying, God, please lead me into temptation. Please lead me. Uh, please inspire my sibling to do something that's just really going to test my patience today, God. Please inspire my teacher to just be 
uh, extra boring and make me extra frustrated today, God. That's praying, God, lead me into temptation, right? That's, that's not what we're supposed to pray. Say, God, lead me not into temptation. But sometimes God will allow us to be in places where we, we will be tempted and our faith will be tested. Especially if you're a believer, you're going to be tempted even more because you're trying to follow after Jesus. So I went water rafting recently for the first time with my lovely wife, Brianna. And uh, it was our three-year anniversary trip. And so we'd never done that before. We are a little scared because the water rafting guy was like really trying to stress to us the danger of what we were doing. And I think it was more of like a liability thing, but it's still kind of dangerous. And so anyways, we go and then uh, there's this one part where the water just kind of calmed down a little bit. And so there's this, I'm going to say a cliff, but really it's just kind of like this 10 foot thing where you can get out of the raft, climb up and just jump off this little 10 foot thing and jump into the river and get back into your raft. And then you keep going and be a happy person with your life. So some people were doing that. They jump, they climb up there, they jump off and they say, yay. And this one person though, they jump off this little cliff and they didn't jump out far enough, but they made it. They made it. Okay. It was a little sketch though. Not gonna lie. They were pretty close. But then this person, they're in the water, they're on their back floating, and they're just like going like doing this crazy thing. And the guy was like, just swim over to the raft. Like it wasn't that hard to do it at that time. The water wasn't like crazy strong. It's just swim over, swim over. And they just, they're just doing this. And they're going down the river. They're just gone. That lady was gone. And so she was flowing down. And the other rafts were like trying to stick out their oars, like trying to catch this drifter. And then she eventually, they finally get her onto the boat. And this lady said she didn't know how to swim. And I'm just thinking to myself, like, sometimes, you guys, sometimes in this world, the decisions people make truly amaze me. Like, if you don't know how to swim, what gives you the idea to go water rafting in a river with rocks and, like, rapids and it's like kind of dangerous. Like we have life vests on and stuff like that, but still, right? Still, that's, that's kind of crazy to me. So some people's mindset when it comes to swimming though, is like, I guess you just kind of go for it. Like who cares, you know, skip the kiddie pool, go straight to the river. And so some of these rapids were actually pretty intense. They have different classes for like what the rapids are. Uh, and then class six is like, you're dead, like don't do it. So there was one waterfall there that was a class five though. And so this is the highest commercial waterfall, meaning like that they'll, that you as just a normal person, they'll let you raft on in America, second highest in the world. And it was like a 13 feet like waterfall that you just kind of drop down, you go underwater real quick and then pop back out. And they, they had us do like this whole training process to like be ready for this. And when we finally did it, we're all fine. We, you like, you're like rowing, rowing, she's like, he's like, go, 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 go. And then you grab onto the side, you grab onto the lever in the middle and you gotta like sit in the middle there and just kind of go like this with your head down. And then Brianna was behind me and so her helmet like whacked against the back of mine, but we're all good. It didn't hurt, nobody got hurt. Well, it hurt her a little bit, but it's all good. Uh, so it's kind of intense, but I was amazed that this person did, and that, per that waterfall was optional. But that person did the waterfall too. I was like, man, people. Yeah, people. I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't know. But some people prefer to swim or learn how to swim by going 
into something crazy like that. Well, the Christian life, like, sometimes we're going to go through some rapids, right? Like, sometimes we're going to have some harder, harder times in the Christian life. And when it comes to facing temptation, God's intention for us is not necessarily to just throw us into the waters, the rapids of temptation by ourselves, right? We're not doing this thing by ourselves. We have people there to help us, people there to pull us out. We have a lifeguard right next to us. Jesus goes from the calm waters of his baptism into the rapids of temptation immediately. Have you ever gone from being affirmed by God? You know your purpose. You know what God has set out for you to do. And then shortly thereafter, you enter a period of temptation that's just kind of hard. That's what it's like. You go from these calm waters, get thrown into the rapids of temptations, but God doesn't take you to these waters without a lifeguard. The Bible says the Spirit led him to this place. And so if God is allowing you to go into these places, if God takes you to it, God's going to take you through it. God's going to walk you through what you're going through when you're struggling with your temptations. Jesus fasted for 40 days. Now, this reminds me of, of Noah, you know, in the flood. It reminds me of the Israelites wandering in the wilderness, the number 40. And Jesus was strong, right? He was spiritually strong. He just had his baptism. He's, he fasted, right, which is a spiritual discipline. But at the same time, in another sense, he's weak because he's pretty hungry, right? If you're hungry, you're, you're physically weak, and that can be tempting in a spiritual way. To be spiritually weak. I'll give you an example. Anger. Right? If you're hungry, I don't know about you guys, but I can be hungry in anger. My wonderful wife said to me literally, like in the past week, she was like, you know, my family, nobody got really upset when they're hungry. They just got hungry. I didn't know. I heard about anger, but I didn't know that it was like really a thing until I married you. I was like, thanks, babe. It was great. And so when I, if I get hungry, I can like, I get, I get a little impatient, right? Like, I want food. I'm, it's time to eat. I want breakfast or whatever. And so Jesus, he's maybe not at his strongest point having just fasted, right? And so the devil's going to try to attack him when he thinks Jesus is weak or not prepared or more susceptible to temptation. So whether you're in a good place, like Jesus just coming off this baptism, fasting, or if you're in a weak place in your life spiritually, you're going to have temptations in either one. Just because you're faced with temptations, that doesn't mean you're a weak Christian. That doesn't always mean you're a strong Christian. Either way, weak Christians and strong Christians, they're going to face temptations. All of us do. Whatever place in life we're at. Matthew chapter 4, verse 3 through 4, says, During that time, the devil came and said to him, if you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, No, the scriptures say people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Temptation will make you question, or try to make you question, what God says about you. Jesus just, from his baptism, God affirmed, This is my Son. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. And then Satan comes and attacks this identity of Jesus. If you really are the son of God, why don't you do this? If you are really the son of God, you're so hungry, why don't you help yourself? Why don't you turn these stones in the middle of the wilderness into loaves of bread? So then you won't be hungry anymore. If you are the son of God, 
And in a way, it could be even insinuating a little bit, if God really loves you, why would God allow you to be out here, to go hungry out here? The devil wants to attack your identity in Christ. That's, that's one of the first places that your temptation starts, is your identity in Christ. God says, you are his child. Satan says, are you really a child of God? God says, you're born again. Satan says, you're the same that you've always been. God says there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Satan says that you are under condemnation. He lies about who you are and where you are in your placement with God. Because if he can get you to question who you are, then he can get you to do things that are contrary to your identity as a child of God. And as your identity as someone who is founded in Christ. So he wants you to question who you are. So when you're tempted, remember who you are. Remember that God has called you out of that darkness and into his marvelous light. Remember that you are called a people for his chosen possession. That you are his child now. You are no longer an orphan. You are no longer a slave. You are free. And Jesus responds to what Satan says with God's word. Deuteronomy chapter 8, two verses, uh, chapter 8 verses 2 through 3 is the verse that he refers to. He says, it is written, man shall not live by uh, bread alone, but by every word from God. So Deuteronomy 8, 2 through 3 says, remember how the Lord your God led you through the wilderness these 40 years. So it's talking about in the Exodus, uh, how the Israelites were in the wilderness for 40 years, humbling you and testing you to prove your character and to find out whether or not you would obey his commands. Yes, he humbled you by letting you go hungry, then feeding you with manna, a food previously unknown to you and your ancestors. He did it to teach you that people do not live by bread alone. Rather, we live by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. So this is the Old Testament reference that Jesus is making here. And how do we see the parallel between the Israelites and what Jesus was going through? Well, the Israelites, they're in the wilderness for 40 years, and they're hungry. But God... To prove to them that they did not need to rely on themselves, they could rely on them. God literally made it rain bread from heaven. And the purpose of this was to show that the thing that kept the Israelites alive in their wilderness was not themselves. It wasn't their own selves sustaining themselves. It was God providing exactly what they needed. So their survival was based on the promise of God not on their own ability to provide for themselves. So Jesus responds to the devil and says, just like the Israelites, they depended on God, and we don't depend on ourselves to get our own bread. We depend on the word of God and the promises of God. That's what I'm going to depend on. He says, my purpose is depend on God, follow his commands. My survival is based on his promise for me. Because Jesus knew his mission, right? To come here to save the sins of the world. He knew he wasn't just going to die out there in the wilderness because God the Father had a plan for his son. So there's a temptation that we face a lot, but we don't talk a lot about, kind of. It's the temptation to take things into our own hands. Right? That's a temptation. That's, that is a sin to always try to take things into our own hands rather than leave it in God's hands. And that's really the temptation that the devil is giving Jesus. Why don't you just, you're hungry, rather than depend on God and trust in God, why don't you just turn these stones into bread right now? Take it into your own hands. The temptation to take our own problems into our own hands is to live 
by bread rather than we live by the word of God, rather than to trust in God's promises for us. Matthew chapter 4, verse 5 through 7. Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple and said, If you are the son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say, He will order his angels to protect you, and they will hold you up with their hands so you, don't, you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Jesus responded, The scriptures also say, You must not test the Lord of God. When dealing with temptation, trust God, don't test God. On the 26th of January, 1972, this is a true story. Somebody named Vesna Vulovic. I might be saying that wrong, but I hope I'm all right. So it was a flight attendant on board a JAT, a, a, a flight 367. And the flight path, it was a foreign flight, so between Stockholm and Sweden and Belgrade and Serbia, took the aircraft over Czechoslovakia, now the Czech Republic. And that's where the plane exploded. And the plane exploded into three pieces. And the piece that Vesna was in, this little piece, she somehow got like kind of boxed in by like the food cart that they carry around, you know? And so her piece got separated from the other pieces and she landed kind of on this snow thing just right and she survived a 33,000 foot drop from an airplane with no parachute. Oh, wow. And this is... That's the only one. Like that, I looked up. Like, what's the farthest drop ever survived? And that's it. That's a so true story. story. Now, she was very injured, right? Obviously, she had a lot of she had some disabilities after that, but she made it. Like, she survived. Did anybody else survive? She was never. The Nobody same. else survived. She was never the same after that. No, never the same. Definitely had some some back problems for sure. But that's kind of a miracle, right? That's a miracle. Yeah. Could you imagine you fall from an airplane from 33,000 feet and you survive? That's just a straight up miracle. And that's kind of impressive. And the devil is telling Jesus, if you're the son of God, I want you to do a magic trick. I want you to go to the top of the temple and I want you to jump down and everybody's going to see you fall down. And you're just going to land like a cactus. You know, you're just going to land. And you're going to be okay. You're going to fly. People, maybe people will praise you, get your own share, like shoe brand, Air Jesus, right? That's what the devil was trying to tempt him with. Do this magic trick. Prove that you are the son of God. But he was testing him. He was testing God. And he took this Bible verse out of context to do that as well. But Jesus responded, you must not test the Lord of God. We interpret scripture with other scripture. That's the best way to understand kind of what the Bible is saying, right? You can take any verse out of context and just make it say what you want to make it say. But when you take other scripture into context as well, it kind of can prove whether or not your interpretation of that is true. So the devil takes this scripture from Psalms out of context and he uses it to try to test Jesus. But Jesus said, look, don't test the Lord your God. You're not interpreting that correctly. So... Jesus didn't want to do the magic trick. He said, don't test the Lord your God. But that kind of makes me think, how do we test God? Do we test God sometimes? Maybe an example of that is like, if somebody is a diabetic, for example, then uh, they're saying, well, God will just take care of me. I'm not going to take insulin. That could be interpreted as a, a way of testing God. 
Maybe it could be like when you didn't study for a test at all, but you're just like asking God for a miracle. Like, God, if you just let me pass this test, uh, I'll do anything. That could be testing God. A way that we can test God when it comes to temptation, it could be like, God, I'm going to go this far. Like, I can go this far. I can go hang out with these people when they're doing those things. I can maybe go to this kind of party or be around this certain group but not fall to temptation. God's going to protect me from that. Putting yourself in a place where you know you're going to be more likely tempted on purpose, that could be testing God rather than avoiding those situations and trusting God. So trust God, don't test God. Matthew chapter 4, verse 8 through 11. Next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him, took him to a summit point. And showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. He said, I will give it all to you if you kneel down and worship me. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him. For the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil went away and the angels came and took care of Jesus. So temptation promises temporary pleasure. Here's what's happening here. The devil takes Jesus to this summit point, to this high place... And says, look at all these kingdoms. Look at all this earth. If you just bow down and worship me, I'm going to make you the king of all these kingdoms right now. Jesus said, you should only worship God. The devil has influence and power over many things. The devil has a lot of influence. There's a lot of demonic power in your schools. Straight up. There's a lot of demonic power influences in our homes. You know, in, in our the things we watch on our screens, and and all kinds of things, the devil has influence in a lot of things. So, let's talk after Michael. So, the devil promised Jesus to give him all this authority, all this power, all this earthly glory. I think that's the key word there. It says, "Show them the kingdoms of the world and their glory." He said, if you bow and you give me glory, I will give you the glory of this world. Notice whose glory is not mentioned in this whole scenario. It's the glory of God, right? And that's why Jesus says, only seek, pursue, only bow to God and worship him. Temptation says, take the easy way out. You guys know it was Jesus' destiny to receive all these things. It was Jesus' destiny to receive. I mean, in Matthew 28, he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, right? So Jesus was going to receive all these things. All authority was given to him, but he had to go through the cross. But the devil was saying, look, you don't have to go through the cross, Jesus. You could have all this stuff. Right now, take the easy way out if you would just worship me. But if Jesus did that, he would have received the glory of the world, which is a temporary glory that is passing away. When we think of devil worship, you guys tell me something. What do you think of when you think of devil worship? What do you think of Michael? All black clothes and you look really like... Two services. Demonic. You said two services? <laughs> you, look, you look really demonic. Yeah, so I mean, we got maybe different things that we have in mind when you think of devil worship. Maybe you think of like upside down stars and you think of like sacrificing pigs and cats and like weird stuff like that, right? But devil worship, that could be devil worship, but really, 
The devil wants to be worshipped, okay? He wants to be worshipped. But do you think he's going to be very successful having a ton of people worship him if that's the only way he can be worshipped? No. Probably not, right? Because there's not like a ton of people that do stuff like that. But that's not the primary way the devil is worshipped. It's not through stuff like that. It's through stuff that we do every day. It's through stuff that is focusing on the world and its glory. It's seeking the world first rather than seeking the kingdom of heaven first. There's a direct connection between those things and worshiping the devil, just like we see here. I read this book called Screwtape Letters by C.S. Lewis. Um, C.S. Lewis, Chronicles of Narnia, maybe you guys have heard of it. But the Screwtape Letters is about a demon uncle that is writing to his demon nephew. Okay, so he's giving him advice on how to be a good demon. And one of the things that he writes to him is about pleasure. And he says, we have never, we as demons have never been able to create a pleasure ourselves. The enemy, which is what they call God, the enemy is the author of all pleasures. The devil cannot create a pleasure. God is the creator of all good things that give us pleasure. Everything. God created that. The enemy cannot create pleasure, but what they can do is they can corrupt the pleasure God made for us and make it something that hurts us in the end rather than something that actually gives us lasting pleasure. They can corrupt it and make it cheap. That's a good example. So, God invented pleasure, but it starts out with experiencing the God, the pleasure that God made for us starts out with worshiping Him and serving Him only. Because there's no greater pleasure for us than to do that. Because that's what we were created to do. And that doesn't just mean sing songs in church. Okay, worship God. Okay, that means I got to sing songs in church, uh, serve Him only. I got to like serve in ministry. Those are good things we should do. But it's way more than that. It's way more than that. Worshiping God, serving Him is a lifestyle that you carry not just Sunday, Wednesday, but every day of your life. Enjoying the, the pleasures that God has made for us every day. But Satan wants to convince us to take the easy way out. Don't wait for God's promises. Don't wait for God's promises in marriage. Take the easy way out. Don't wait for God's promises of provision, covet. Still be jealous of people. So, how do we fight temptation? First of all, we talked about recognize there are going to come in times of strength and weaknesses. Remember who God says you are. Trust God, don't test God. Seek first the kingdom of heaven. And then lastly, something that we've seen throughout all of this is use the truth of scripture to counter the lies of temptation. And so a good way to do this, if you have a certain sin you struggle with, for example, if you struggle with coveting, if you find yourself like being jealous of people a lot and stuff they have, materialism, things like that, well, you can look up, you guys all got Google, just Google Bible verses about coveting or things like that, and you'll find verses that could help you when you're dealing with that temptation. There's also general verses about temptation. I got one in James chapter 1 that I memorized, uh, blessed is he who endures temptation, because when you've been approved, you receive the crown of life, which God has promised to all those who love him. So if I'm faced with temptation, I remember that verse, and I think if I fight this temptation, I have a crown of life waiting for me because I love God. So there's different verses that you guys can use, just like Jesus, 
to counter the lies with the temptations that you face on a regular basis. Because the devil is not going to give you new temptations. He's pretty much going to use the same old ones all the time, right? It's not very often that we're tempted with new stuff. If that happens, it's kind of like, wow, that's weird. But it's usually the same things every day. I want to close with Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. It says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted the way as we are, yet without sin. This temptation of Jesus that we see here is not the only time, but pretty much the only time. One of the very few times that we actually see Jesus fighting a temptation and the details of that. But this is something that Jesus had to do every hour, perhaps every second of every day. Jesus had to fight temptations. And if there's anybody in the world that ever existed that the devil is going to work hard to tempt more than anyone else, it was Jesus, right? But Jesus, as, a, as being fully man, God in the flesh, he had to fight temptations. Jesus was struggled with everything that you are tempted with and everything that you are not tempted with, but somebody else is. That's why we can't look at someone and their temptations be like, they're not as good as me because they struggle with that temptation. Like, Jesus struggled with that temptation, yet without sin. Jesus did not sin. And that's why he was the perfect sacrifice for our sins. Because every temptation Jesus faced, he had a mission on his mind. And that mission was you. That mission was your salvation. Because if Jesus fell, your salvation would not exist. Jesus wanted to save you. That's why he fought this temptation. And so now, because Jesus has saved us, we, have, we can fight temptation just like he did as well. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, please help us to battle temptations in our life, Lord. Please help us to have accountability, to look to your word, to look to the truth of your word, to ignore the lies that temptation wants to tell us, but to trust in your truth, God, to trust that what you have for us is better, Lord, and you are our provider, and you are the one that is going to give us what we need. We don't need to take the easy way out, God, the easy way out to get to pleasure or anything like that, God, but trust in your path and your way for us. And we ask this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 Guys,